Welcome everyone back to another jubilant edition of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. The Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades. Today we closely follow third generation driver Ryan Blaney who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on the podcast, we will review Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then preview the race for the upcoming weekend, offering news, notes, statistics, and analysis. All over. I'm not letting push it better. Down around you, half off the So right on you, both lanes pushing. Spider help with a seven, pushing you. Still outside, still pushing you. Still outside corner, you are cleared. Still staying with a seven, the seven is clear. Still gonna push on the bottom, seven's clear. Four is clear on the bottom. Right on you, then half off the seven to the four. One off the seven to the four. So right on you, one off to the four. Off of you now by half. Half then one, protecting the top behind him. One then one. One then half, he's gonna get another push back to you right here. Here comes the seven, get the push on the four, hard push. Hard, half to the bottom, half in line, right in line with you, right on you. Right on you, 17 went to the bottom by himself. Get the seven and four hooked up, half back to seven and 17 and three on the bottom. Right on you, then a one off of him. White flag here, still inside. Seven right on you, then three off of his help. You are clear. Seven's getting pulled off of you. Seventeen will pull him back. Seventeen will be the momentum down the front here. Both lanes out by three. Don't get too far out front here. Still by three. Still by three. Seven's gonna be the helpful top. Seven up top. He is clear. He is clear. Getting hard push. He is clear. Four went to the bottom half. Bottom half. Bottom bottom bottom. Half back to the middle. Four right on you. Four is clear. Four is clear. One off you, then one to him to the middle. Two off you. Don't get too far out. Two off you, then one off into the middle. Middle and bottom coming to him. One and a half back, then one off him to the middle. Here comes the four. Another fish in the four. Split him to the bottom. Bottom coming to the momentum. Bottom to the momentum. By five, right behind you. By five. Caution out, caution out. Checker flag at the line. Great job, y'all. Yeah. Let's go, boys. Let's go. Way to get it done, boys. Way to get it done. It's good we had that little warm up last week about you guys working together. Hold it out perfectly. Thanks, guys. Fire up those saws, Hartford. Steve, that's right. Fire up those saws out there in Hartford, Ohio, because our man Ryan Blaney has once again taken that number 12 Ford Mustang to victory lane on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit two weeks in a row. I did not think we would be here. No, you're always giving us that power of positivity uh, from the beginning of the season. And as you've talked to me the last couple of days, that power of positivity positivity is paying off for Blaney Nation. Yeah, let's go, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we, you know, this was a great uh, weekend. And uh, some of the things that happened going into that weekend made it even more special. Um, You knew you were going to the race. And uh, that was that was really cool. I mean, you live uh, about an hour, what two hours from the track? Yeah, and, just a little, uh, hour and a half know, or so. Yep. Yeah. So you knew you knew what was going to happen. You had your tickets together. And um, on Wednesday of last week, on the social the social medias, uh, the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation had a little contest to put together, um, winning four tickets to the race. And uh, you know, my wife puts an entry, and I put an entry in. And, you know, we're like during the afternoon, like, oh, wouldn't it be funny? Yeah. You know, wouldn't it be funny? You know, and uh, seven o'clock, they drew a winner. And uh, yeah, I won. And um, from that point 
on, it was total mayhem, um, trying to figure out how we were going to get down there. And, um, you know, uh, plane tickets at that point in time, were going to be way, way above, above our pay grade. Um, you know, we can plan out smaller trips and so forth, but that would have been, you know, we figured out a schedule, um, driving and hotels. And, um, by Saturday afternoon, about three 30, we were in Daytona and, um, we had you guys, uh, it was actually four seats that the Lady Family Foundation got for us, which was awesome. And um, we were able to sit together and watch the race. And then, you know, of course, you know, they made sure that he won for us. So <laughs> a, a truly unbelievable weekend. Like you said, we, uh, my wife and I live, are lucky enough to live, you know, with about an hour and a half drive to Daytona. So it's kind of our home NASCAR track. We've been there several times. Actually, for the past couple of years, have been trying to convince Steve and his wife to make the trip down here, take a vacation, do something, mostly like get to the Daytona 500. You have to go to the Daytona 500. You haven't been to Daytona. You have to get down here and see um, Speedway racing at some point um, just to kind of feel the energy of it, hear the sound of it, be in a crowd the size that Daytona draws, which, you know, this past weekend, though, the, the Coke Zero 400 doesn't draw, you know, the same amount of people that the 500 does still, as you can probably say, a huge crowd on hand uh, to see that race. And it was exciting. I mentioned on some of our Twitter posts, uh, maybe just to clarify some of the things that I said, wasn't obviously we've talked before about going to races. So it wasn't the first NASCAR races we've been to. It was the first NASCAR race that Steve and I have been to at the same time. Um, even though I grew up in Ohio and met Steve while we were in Ohio, we've been to some dirt races together. We've seen Dave Blaney win uh, some dirt races together. And that's actually one of the things Steve brought up before the race on Saturday was that, you know, we were kind of good luck charms. The last time we watched a race together at Sharon Speedway, Dave went on to win uh, the feature and the 410 sprint cars for that. And was that, that was a Lou Blaney Memorial too, wasn't it? Yes, it was. That was a Lou was, Blaney uh, Memorial. Tara, Tara won the auction. Um, oh, that's right. So here we are again. Steve gets down here. Uh, Steve and Kate, who you've heard on the podcast before, get down here to come see this race. Steve says, oh, maybe that luck will pay off again. We're watching the race together. And lo and behold, uh, after everything, Ryan, Ryan ends up going to victory lane. And we're definitely going to talk about everything that uh, led up to Ryan's victory on Saturday in the Coca-Cola Zero Sugar 400. But Steve, I just am kind of dying to get your impressions of Daytona. I know I kept really hyping it up big time saying that I know you've been to Michigan and Pocono and a lot of the other facilities that I'm sure are nice and places I haven't been to yet. I was like, but I can tell you that Daytona is probably different than any track that you've been to before. Do you think that I hyped it up too much or did it kind of live up to that hype? I know you weren't really in town for that long, but what's your kind of first impressions of attending a race at the world center of racing? Uh, the facilities. Yeah. The facilities are you know, way better probably than anything we've seen. Um, you know, as far as the visual, like where you're from, wherever you're sitting, um, to me, it looks like a bigger Michigan. Okay. So as far as the view goes, you know, you're able to see, you know, when we were up a lot higher, but able to see the whole track and so forth. Uh, and of course the racing is way different than Michigan's racing, but as far as like, when you get into the place, uh, there's escalators everywhere going up and down. So first off, you're not having to climb a ton of stairs to get to your section. Um, the place is so clean, uh, incredibly clean. Um, as far as like 
just the concourses and everything. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it lived, um, lived up to the, to, uh, the things that have been said about it. it. It definitely was a really, really cool place. Uh, and, and when you get into a place like that and you get those kind of, you notice those kind of features, it even makes you feel more comfortable to be there, you know? So it, yeah, it was definitely, definitely, um, a great experience. Um, you know, the tickets that uh, the Blaney family foundation got for us were probably most excellent tickets we've ever had for a race too. I mean, uh, they, they were in a great section. They were up high, um, where we could see everything. And, uh, that makes for a good experience too, when you, when you've got good seats, uh, and, uh, you're able to just concentrate on watching and enjoying the race. Well, I'm definitely glad that I didn't overhype it for you. Um, what did you think of the, you've seen probably ton, tons of formerly restrictor plate racing now, you know, just super speedway racing on television in the past. What did you think of experiencing that type of racing in person? You know, that's an interesting point, uh, that you know, on TV, the one thing that's great about watching restrictor plate racing on TV is you can see most of the field, um, you know, other tracks, when they get spread out, they show you certain things and you see certain people at certain times. Um, but, uh, to see the pack all together and have it whoosh right by you. Um, yeah, it's quite an amazing feeling. Uh, I, I actually taped the actual start of the race and I posted that online, uh, just that whole first lap. And it's just that rumble and roar as it picks up speed and then comes all the way back to you. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, everything is always better in person than on TV. And, uh, yeah, it lived up to that for sure. All right. So like I said, really amazing experiences past weekend. Really glad that uh, we were able to welcome uh, Kate and Steve down here to our new adopted home country down here in Florida to go to a race out there at Daytona and experience it together. The first time the two co-hosts here of the Team Blaney podcast were able to, to kind of get out to a race together, and it was terrific. I, I want to thank my wife, especially right here on the thing on the podcast, because um, it takes someone as crazy as me to pull off what we did. Um, <laughs> you know, w- we won the tickets and the first thought in her mind was, how do we get there? Not like, uh, well, that's Saturday and, you know, we don't have a lot of time and I can't take time off from work or whatever. No, 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 no. She was the same as me. It was like, how do we get there? What do we got to do to get there? What's it going to take? What's it going to take to get back? And, um, you know, she's, she's, you know, definitely the love of my life. And it's so cool that we're able to experience these things together. Um, I sent a picture to the Ryan Blaney family foundation. We go to every track and take a picture outside the track and, um, she turns them into black and whites and different sizes and frames them. And, um, you know, it's just that whole experience is even better because it's with her. So I just, I just want to say thank, thanks to her. That's definitely awesome and definitely uh, just advice to anybody. We've been blessed to have wives that have really have the racing bug and they're crazy. Like you said, hey, let's go to Daytona on this whim after winning these tickets. Mine uh, uh, was totally didn't even question when I said, hey, you know, I know we're going to Daytona and we just went to Atlanta. What do you think about driving up to the Southern 500 that's six and a half hours away? And she's like, yeah, sure. Why not? (laughs) So find someone that loves racing and it's better if you could travel together, hang out together. In our case, we even met fans at the track that have become friends since then, too. Uh, definitely makes that racing experience so, so much better and enjoyable when you can share it with somebody else. But hey, speaking of sharing, why don't we go ahead and share Ryan Blaney's Path to Victory 
this past weekend in the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona International Speedway. Ryan Blaney, Race Recap. Daytona International Speedway. All right, here we go. We got um, 50, 100, and 160 are the different uh, stage breaks with the comp caution at lap 20. Right off the bat to the rear, um, of course, there are going to be inspection issues uh, on this, you know, but nobody really cares because uh, it doesn't matter where you start. But uh, the five, the 34, the 38, the seven, the 16, and uh, I think Joey Gase also were to the rear. Uh, Ryan was starting sixth and he had the second pit stall, which once again is something kind of important once uh, if there's green flag pit stops, because this will, you know, affect where you come out and sometimes line up uh, on a, on a green flag pit stop. Um, the 24 takes the lead on the start and uh, leads. I think I got it here for like about 18 laps, which pretty good. They kind of kind of uh, don't really race hard because they know that competition cautions coming at lap 20. It's interesting. I've, uh, realized, um, as the race was going there at that first, uh, comp caution, uh, the fuel window is kind of close to the 50 laps. So a lot of these cars were looking at like, well, maybe we won't pit, or maybe we'll just take a splash of fuel. And, and that's a lot of what happens there at the comp caution. Um, actually right before it, the, the 42 pits for, for flat tire, <laughs> and, uh, then lap 20, uh, the nine takes the lead and then the comp caution happens. Uh, most leaders do pit, they fuel only. Um, so they're all worried about track position, basically trying to stay up in the pack. Um, at lap uh, 24, after the restart there, the 34 has an engine issue. Um, then I got like the nine and the 22 swap in the lead there for a while going, going to the stage break at uh, lap 50, uh, the nine wins, uh, stage one. And, uh, you know, most of the racing from, there was one small stretch that they kind of got single filed out, but most of it was two lines. Sometimes a third line would start. Sometimes that third line would get us get sucker hold. Sometimes that third line would kind of become the second line and somebody on the low end would end up getting pushed back. And, uh, that happens, you know, it, well, what I was gonna say is that happens a lot, um, but lately in the last couple of years, the, the plate tracks, they've kind of spread out and got single file till the end of a stage. So uh, it didn't happen that much uh, on Saturday. Yeah, just a couple of times throughout the race did they go single file, but it wasn't for too long. And it actually kind of increased the drama a little bit because you're waiting to see which car was going to be the first one to dive down and who would go with them. Um, a lot of talk went into this race ahead of time because NASCAR did tweak the rules package for super speedways due to Joey Logano's kind of you know, big crash that he had at Talladega earlier this year. So they slowed the cars down um, slightly speed-wise. Uh, mainly just by increasing or the size of the uh, tapered spacer that they had on the cars, they made the whole well, they made the whole a little bit smaller so for the airflow going into that engine. So that slowed them down horsepower wise. And anytime you hear NASCAR fans hear about horsepower being dropped down, the sky's falling, the racing's going to be terrible. Uh, I think the, the folks at uh, Roush Yates were kind of saying that, hey, you know, since they did this, we might see you know, the return of tandem drafting. So for multiple days uh, across various NASCAR media platforms, people were talking about uh, tandem drafting coming back. And what would you think of that and uh, how terrible it was or how great it was? It just kind of went back and forth there. 
But we didn't really see that. Maybe, I mean, some of the drivers Ryan mentioned slightly, like, yeah, we could tandem like a little bit, but it, it still wasn't as effective as it was several years ago when that was a thing. Um, we saw plenty of side-by-side -side racing. I know you mentioned they are fairly tame ahead of the comp caution, but they were still in two lines for most of that run going up to that first caution flag. And then definitely at the beginning and, uh, and just sort of slightly in the middle of that second run going into the end of the first stage. Uh, did they ever get single file? And I said, I think I mentioned on Twitter that I feel like that they were learning a lot. They were learning about how this package works. Uh, I heard some drivers say that previously um, it was really hard to take a bump draft sometimes. Uh, in, in the last couple of years, it would kind of get your upset the car a little bit. So they got a little bit more handling back in the car as far as being able to take and receive some of the bump drafts. So I think that actually kind of improved the racing a little bit. As far as them, I, th I know they said NBC was showing like how fast they were going, and it was slower than the last time they were at Daytona. I can tell you from being to probably 10-plus Daytona races between various series at this point, I couldn't tell you that they looked any slower uh, to me. I know some people might just say it because they know that they, they were, but um, I don't know. It, it looked plenty racy to me. Yeah, they said um, about uh, two seconds a lap slower. But like you said, um, it didn't, you couldn't tell, um, the one thing that they said it was probably helpful of was, um, making the runs that were coming a little slower so that you weren't like when they did hit each other, they weren't hitting each other as hard, <laughs> but I definitely do, you know, it, so it helped a little bit with driver control of the runs because they could s sort of anticipate them better. Um, if, you know, if, if you can anticipate anything at 190 miles an hour, but. Um, yeah, they get to the end of stage one and the nine wins and Ryan finishes 14th. Um, so the, the caution comes out for that end of the stage and the leaders pit. Um, and then right before they go green, um, about 30 of the cars come back in and top off. Um, so about 10 of them don't, including the 12 car. And I've right wrote here in parentheses track position. And, and this once is what happens. It starts to get people to the front tire wear was not that big a deal um with this package and it's on purpose i don't think they really want the tires to wear out when you're doing 190 miles an hour in a pack so um you know taking uh fuel is the only thing that kind of like if you're a little bit lighter you're going to be a little bit faster but also not taking fuel at that point it put a bunch of guys up near the front uh and ryan definitely wanted to be up near the front we wanted to hear all night long the, the words we wanted to hear was caution behind you <laughs> now um, the nine, the, tw um, the 20 lead for a couple laps here, um, at lap 77, the 10 spins causing caution, um, at lap 82, there's a restart for that, um, the 22 leads and at lap 95, the 12 and the 22 battle for a little bit for the lead, two different lines. Um, I didn't care about the other people sitting around us. I stood up and watched, um, actually there weren't a lot of people crowding us, but, uh, uh, you know, anytime Ryan was going to be up near the lead, uh, I got to my feet, uh pretty quick wanted to, you know, wanted to be up and, uh, we had the headsets on. So of course we're listening to, to spotter Josh and everything and Todd's communication, but, uh, it, it really actually, that kind of communication heightens the experiences, you know, as we're watching and standing there because, you know, Josh is telling him something and then we're watching him react to it or, you know, or do something with it. So, um, but, uh, at the end of the stage there, um, the 22 actually wins the stage and Ryan finishes sixth. So, um, a little bit of jostling back and forth there for the lead, but, uh, he gets, gets a little bit shuffled back there. 
Um, still though, some stage points, you know, which at this point we're still, you know, thinking about stage points going into the, you know, into the playoffs. So, uh, lap one Oh two, um, you know, the leaders all pit and the 11 and the 48 take fuel only at this point. And, um, so that puts them up near the front or in the front. So on the restart, the 11 leads the field to the green there at lap one Oh six. And that was one of those things you talked about at the end of the last stage, Ryan didn't take fuel. And there was talk on the radio at that point. Can they don't really know? They they assume they can make the whole run on that one fuel, but they weren't totally sure. Like you said, some of those guys actually pitted um, before the start of that next stage. Ryan wasn't one of them, but in the end, it didn't matter. They still made it to that next stage. Ryan was fine. Came down pit road after that to get the the four tires and fuel going into that last stage. Yeah, yeah, that yeah that topping off was not necessarily you know important um as as they found out and i think that was part of the um, comp caution was to try to help some of these teams figure out how their fuel mileage was going to be the rest of the night um something they would normally do to with the with a practice you know um so at lap 108 uh, the four takes the lead and then at lap 123 the fords all pit and this is where things gonna get interesting uh for the rest of the night uh the fords all pit I got the 22, the 12, the two, the four, the 10, the 21, the 17, 14, six, 41. And when they come out of the pits, somehow the two and the 14 end up losing the pack. And, you know, it might not sound like a lot, but those two extra cars running in a single file line with those guys might've been a little bit more speed. You know, it just might've been that way. Um, it's just kind of weird how it happened. Um, I heard uh, uh, Brad spotter uh, on, a, on a podcast talking about, they just couldn't get there. Like they left the pit road about the same time as everybody else. But for some reason, when they went to take off, they just didn't take off as fast as everybody else. And, and they lost them. Um, they end up, end up losing a lap here to that pack. Those two guys end up losing a lap to that pack of uh, Chevys and Toyotas. Uh, but Brad, I think actually ends up getting it back uh, later on here. Um, so lap 137, the Toyotas actually kind of lead that pack of all those cars uh, and the Chevys they've yet to pit um, that grouping was such a big grouping it was gaining about three tenths of a, a second of a lap on the Fords now what'll be interesting about this is if they do cycle through a green flag pit stop those Chevys and Toyotas would have to come in and pit somewhere and get some gas the interesting part though is would they all pit together or were they pit by manufacturer that was the definitely the drama the whole time, especially, you know, I was listening to MRN for parts of the race, and at that specific point, they were pretty much saying that Chevrolet was controlling the race because they had the bottom lane, they yeah. were all lined up. Toyota had the top lane, they were all lined up. There was no way for Toyota to, if even if they wanted to pit, they couldn't because Ross Chastain was down there leading that Chevy line at the bottom side of that of the of the track. So there was points when Bubba Wallace was able to kind of get out ahead, and it almost seemed like the Toyotas were going to be clear, but they just couldn't quite make it. And then I think you might even talk about it at some point. I think um, Kyle Busch ended up trying to squeeze out around Bubba, and it kind of broke things up a little bit before all of that. But like you were just saying, they were catching the Fords, um, so that was making me slightly nervous uh watching that happen well yeah the bubba thing uh, from post race and a couple things i've read and listened to um he had cleared the inside line and he had a couple of the toyotas had cleared it also so he went down low and thought that those guys would follow him 
And there was some discussion after the race, uh, you know, where he makes that statement about, well, the Fords always win here because the Fords always work together. And he thought the other Toyotas were going to follow him and they didn't. And his spotter made a statement like, well, I forgot to send out a group text and a chat and an email to everybody else. But I kind of figured once they were all clear that we could all go down there and they would just follow us, but they didn't. So yeah, that's where his frustration came from. Um, what would have been would have been interesting if it stayed green is this whole three tenths of a second they were gaining on all the Fords. How would it have shaken out if they would have all pitted and stayed green? You know, if they'd done it in two separate things by manufacturers, would they have all met at some point later on, or you know, would one of those groups be a little bit further ahead than some of the other groups, and they would have really had to work hard to get back together? Um, uh, luckily, <laughs> at uh, lap one forty. <laughs> a couple cars owned by one 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 owner all met each other <laughs> the 53 the 51 and the 15 all bunched up the 53 actually spun off of four and the 51 and the 15 and uh, rick rare racing uh, as they said on the radio i think they're uh, had a very expensive day yeah i think they said what the 53 had a tire go down or something so i don't know that it was necessarily a a skill thing or just losing the car, but it was very unfortunate because it's like those guys were kind of doing what they do. They bunt, they team up together. They don't usually stay with the main pack. They ride around and they try to get the best finish that they can. Um, but unfortunately, when your whole team does that, sometimes you could all get caught up in one accident. Yeah. Um, and then, and what's ends up happening here is now, of course, this takes the pit strategy out of the hands of the guys who hadn't pitted yet. They all have to come in. And the Fords just say, okay, we'll stay out and um, we'll take the track position. Yeah, I was going to say it kind of took the pit strategy out, except for the Fords. There was an inkling there. It's like, is our word the fight for tires worth it coming down to get? I think they had that sense that tires that you were saying, tires didn't necessarily mean that much. But track position did mean a lot, especially when all the Fords would be bunched up together to at least try to uh, block out the rest of the the other manufacturers that were behind them, at least temporarily. Yeah. So the, uh, lap one forty five is the restart and the 12 and the 22 actually battle for the lead there a little bit at the beginning of that restart. Um, and then at lap one forty six, uh, the 19 gets turned on the back stretch and this ends up involving the 19, the 47, 48, 14, the 96, the 99 ends up in this the 24, the 38 are all involved in some manner. And, um, this causes the red flag at lap 148. We've got all the drama of the eight and the three car going on at this point. Um, mind you, Adam and I were, really weren't following their drama that much because all, all we knew is Ryan was near the front and we were worried about what was going to happen between there and the end. So uh, uh, that red flag's lifted uh, after some of the uh, things were done there. Uh, they, they put down so much speedy dry on the back stretch, I guess, to clean up the mess. Uh, that there was a comment on the radio about, uh, you know, what's going on, how all that stuff out there. And, and I think Josh said, it, it says, yeah, we're going to go back to racing on the beach. <laughs> so they had a little bit of a sense of humor there. I was glad that they did throw a red flag. They probably could have circled around for a while, but um, I think they're what we we're getting into the, into the closing laps. How many laps were left at that point? Like 15 or uh, well, or 10 yeah, or the- I've been, let's see, well, lap 160, so it would have been 14 more laps. Yeah, that's what I thought, because we could have lost a lot of 
green flag racing. Now, obviously, several other things are going to happen as you as you go on here. But at that point, I was like, oh, I'm actually kind of glad. One, it's like my heart rate could come down for a little bit. Uh, we could catch a breath because it's getting closer and closer to the end here. And Ryan is up front. Uh, one thing that I didn't point out earlier that I maybe have in other episodes when we've talked about speedway racing is that it truly is amazing to see Ryan on these tracks because between him and Josh guiding him, the way that he can lose, you lose the draft and get shuffled back a little bit, just his ability to pick his way. And sometimes you don't even necessarily realize that it's happening. It's just like all of a sudden he's back up in the top four, top two, going for the lead again. And that will happen multiple times throughout the race. And it's happened, I think, I don't know, I've, I've just again been blessed enough to been to go to daytona and see speedway racing a lot and see ryan excel at it in almost every race that i've attended there so it's just a thing of i would call it like a thing of beauty to see um is the way that they're able to work together and the way that ryan is able to maneuver his car up through the pack almost every single time there was like one time in this race where he kind of held back in the mid pack a little bit i thought maybe he was kind of waiting for Brad, who was shuffled back, trying to wait for him to get latched on together a little bit. But then it seems like once he turned it on, he boom, 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 made his way right back up to the front again. Um, if you guys don't always see that on TV, uh, if you get a chance to see it in person, like I said, thing of beauty to see Ryan Blaney race out there on a speedway track. Mm-hmm. Super speedway track, I should say. Super, yeah. Um, lap 151. Um to like lap 156 you got like the 22 even the 17 swapping the lead back and forth there and at lap 156 the 22 um has a f- issue has a flat and he hurries up and brings it to pit road and i thought oh this is great because he didn't cause a caution ryan was near the front you know having a chance to race for for a win i was like this is good you know he's he didn't cause a caution nothing bad happened to him good and then the next lap <laughs> all hell busts loose um, now, depending on who you listen to and talk to the 21, it was pushing the nine and the nine threw a block, um, near the wall. And, um, like I said, depends on who you listen to. Some people blame the nine, some people blame the 21. It depends on who you're a fan of, I guess, too, but at least basically this causes a melee. Um, the pe- people involved, the two, the nine, the 11, I've, they, they put the 12 as involved, but but Ryan gets through this pretty much unscathed. He thinks that he had had an issue or somebody bumped him, but uh, you know, they check for damage and nothing's there. And as a matter of fact, Josh on the radio is keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. And that's all he says. And Ryan shoots up right through there. Uh, the 18, the 20, the 21, 37, 41, 47, 48 are all involved in this in some manner. Um, it was kind of cool on the radio. This was uh, something I, I pulled from the radio and I think they played it on uh on uh radioactive uh this is uh i don't know how the bleep we made it through that and uh todd says driver talent ryan says well i had my eyes closed <laughs> it was, we, we both uh, my wife and i turned to each other and just started laughing so hard um hearing it live uh, so that you know they run their caution laps there and uh, clean up and uh, we know we're going greenway checker at this point and we're on the front row and uh, just so, everybody's on their everybody's on their feet yeah one thing just i want to mention about the 21 they hung out in the very back of the field the entire race you could tell that that 21 the wood brothers team strategy was to survive and then we will 
you know, let him loose. And that is absolutely what he did. That run, the 21 car was coming up through the field. Like you said, pushing Chase Elliott all the way up there. But it's just one of those times where it proves you can hang out in the back all race long and survive and still end up in a, in a big crash. And unfortunately for Matt Benedetto, it ended his day and his uh, any chances of one winning the race and two ending up into the playoffs for a second year in a row. So as you said, to go back to it, atmosphere, again, Daytona Electric, everyone rises to their feet waiting for this uh, green-white checker uh, to ensue. And, uh, you know, the, somebody posted on Twitter, and I'm sure we have we have the audio to, today uh, of what Josh uh, gives Ryan information-wise in those last two laps. Um, basically, you know, once Corey LaJoy pushes him to the lead on that first lap, he's controlling most of the, you know, both lines, any runs that are coming. Um, the 17, you know, tr- kind of gets there at one point. The You know, the four gets into the picture all of a sudden. Um there is a little hairy moment after they take the white flag going in a one and two where the four gets a good run and Josh, uh, Josh goes low, 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 low. And it's kind of quick and fast, but what he did was he got Ryan to block the fours run going under the backstretch. And at this point, I pretty much feel that he can make it back to the checkered to the green flag or to the checkered flag. Um, and win the race. Uh, he's got most of the lines blocked. And on that back stretch, we have uh, the one car, the 99 and the four that end up crashing. And, and we couldn't tell right away what had happened from where we were sitting. Of course, we get to see some replays. They've got a nice uh, video monitor there for us to look at. And, uh, and, and Kurt Bush actually takes credit for the crash uh, as he should have. Um, but once again, this whole thing about these cars crashing in the last 10 laps or so, they're all racing for the win and they're all trying to create their own run. They're all trying to create their own push, get a push going, get out and slingshot around that push, do whatever they can to get to the lead. So, um, you know, Harvick had a good line going through there. The 99 had pushed Harvick and he was looking good. And then uh, Kurt Bush was pushing that 99 and they just all kind of hooked each other in a weird manner and spun each other out. And, um, you know, then of course the caution ends up being the checkered flag. And that happens before Ryan even gets to three and four and, um, our celebration ensued high fives everywhere, screaming and yelling at each other. Um, totally annoying all of our fans around us, but uh, heck with it. You know, uh, we, we, we were allowed to be happy. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I could feel it coming. I, after they took that, uh, when, you know, Josh tells them white flag, um, they're going through, they make that move, seeing the crash happen, knowing what that means and knowing, you know, I mean, we could see, um, even the cars as they went on the backstretch, how big of a lead Ryan had after the crash started. Uh, I think Josh was saying like by five, by five. Um, and then the caution comes out. As soon as that caution comes out, you know what that means. After they took that white flag, next flag ends the race. As you said, I mean, I was, I think I told you and you probably heard, maybe you didn't hear, but <laughs> screaming like a small child for uh, a, a long time <laughs> in jubilation. Uh, like you said, we're reaching around, uh, reaching over for high fives that whole time. I had fans to the left of me that was um, that was kind of egging me on whole race. I mean, I couldn't really tell. It seemed like he was he was rooting for Blaney a little bit there. He saw some of the, you know my gear, the gear that we had on, the hat 
the hats and uh, uh, my beer koozie and that kind of stuff that was all for Blaney. That's kind of the cool thing at the race is that you've been kind of experiencing this whole thing with people for like the last three or four hours and everyone gets to kind of know who's rooting for who. So then you got other people around you also congratulating you for your, you know, seeing that your favorite driver won. So that's another just cool aspect of the whole thing. And then just seeing the crowd reaction too, because again, I think I talked to Steve when I first started going to races down here, you know, I was one of the few people in Blaney shirts and then, you know, Ryan starts moving up the ladder and more and more people know who he is. Now, when you go to a race, you see 12 gear, everywhere and when ryan wins a race uh, i've seen now i mean we've seen the videos before and steve's been lucky enough to see ryan win the roval race uh so he's seen some of it before uh he's a pretty big crowd favorite uh even after especially after maybe some of these people's favorite drivers uh have been crashed out you know they're not sad to see ryan blaney win a race and they were uh letting him know it after he got climbed out of that car yeah, we, uh, you know, we're just <laughs> so excited um, and and relieved, too, you know, because uh, that last two laps is so much tension, too, because you yep. you know a- anything can happen. Anybody can slip up. Anybody can make, an, make a mistake. Um, and, you know, he had just covered that, like I said, just before everything had happened, he just covered that run that, that the four car had and covered enough where it pushed him out in front a little bit and... Uh, you know, the, the, just the relief, basically, and uh, the 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 pictures that followed on Twitter were were, were a riot. Um, and if anybody wants to go back and look at some of those Twitter pictures that uh, Team Blaney has posted, but uh, we got caught, we got kind of caught there um, on camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the in the aftermath, yeah, we were picked on uh, by our our, our friend uh, friend of the show, Josh Williams, uh, who who apparently was taking the win a lot better than than we necessarily were, even though he's the one uh, alongside Ryan that was doing all the work. But we were the ones feeling it. It seemed like. Yeah, it, it actually, you know, you don't breathe for for three or four minutes as that the last couple laps are going and we and there's a picture out of, out there of us somewhere just bent over trying to catch our breath and uh yeah josh josh called us wimps <laughs> but it was just such a cool moment i know we hung out in the stands for probably about as long as we could we watched uh ryan you know gets interviewed on the front stretch he gets interviewed uh in victory lane then we kept waiting they did the trophy presentation and he's talking to the people from coca-cola um just trying to soak in probably every moment that we could, you know, he's coming back around, uh, after, after winning the race and the fireworks are going off, you know, behind the backstretch and just the whole thing just kind of turned into this kind of big magical moment that I've seen other drivers and other fans get to experience in the past. It was really exciting to see, you know, our own driver, Ryan Blaney get to experience that after so many close calls, uh, for victories at Daytona and just the fact that again I mean now I, I mentioned it on Twitter and on some of the I think the family foundation social media they asked about if people were at the race and um, lucky enough to say that I've seen Lou Blaney win a race I've seen both Dale and Dave Blaney win big races big sprint car races now lucky enough to kind of mark that next one off see Ryan Blaney win at one of the most iconic tracks in NASCAR and to see it in person it was just such a pleasure and so pumped and the fact that this is win number two in a row win number three on the year um 
shaping up. Uh, he still has to pull himself up a little bit in top fives and top tens year-wise, but I mean, I don't know. Those three wins, I think, already make it a career year at this point, regardless of what the other stats end up to be. And um, I didn't think we would get to this point this year when we can actually... I mean, I don't know. I just didn't, didn't expect it, but Ryan Blaney is 100% a legitimate championship contender. Not just in the picture with the momentum that they have and the wins that they've gotten over the last couple of weeks, this is a team that could have the potential to make it all the way to Phoenix and contend for a NASCAR Cup Series championship. And I know I'm a big-time fan, always positive, just like you are, but still kind of grounded in knowing, like, yeah, maybe it's still a couple more years down the line, but I I don't know. I'm pretty pumped up. You know, some of the things I said earlier in the season about where you want to be going into the playoffs and these last uh, bunch of weeks have been exactly what I was talking about. Um, Are the Fords the fastest cars out there? Not necessarily, but they figured out some things. They figured out how to hang out in the races and be in the top five. And then when the opportunities are there, they take the opportunities. And this team in particular is starting to fire on all cylinders at the time of the year that you want that to happen. You know, back in the spring is great. Won that race, put yourself into, you know, into the playoffs. But from that point forward, it's all about trying to get better by the time the playoffs start. Cause that's what all the other guys who won races they're doing. They're just prepping their, prepping their program for what happens in those last 10 weeks. And right now the number 12 team looks like they're ready to make the run. And if you and, don't, uh, we should be along, we should be along for the ride. And if you don't think that they are ready I was going to wait and use these stats a little bit later on in the podcast, but I'm just going to jump right into them now. The last nine races, and I just talking to Steve, it's like I knew they were doing okay, and I, obviously we know we've been you know following along with this every week, every race, but I just didn't necessarily get that sense until the last couple of weeks that you know how on fire they were. Let's go back nine races to the doubleheader at Pocono. The first race he finished fifth. The second race he finished sixth. Yeah, he had a little bit of a stumble at Road America with a 20th place finish, but then they head to Atlanta, 5th. They go to Loudoun, 5th. They go to Watkins Glen, 14th. Again, didn't necessarily have the speed there that day. Follow that up at Indianapolis. I know, lots of things happened in this race, but still, total team effort, finished 2nd. They go to Michigan, they win the race. They go to Daytona, they win the race. This 12 team has an average finish over the last 9 races of 655 catching fire like you said at the absolute perfect time as they head now into the southern 500 at darlington but hey before we get to that race preview why don't we go ahead and take a look back through the history of nascar this week in nascar history well steve you're going to be treated this week with a special southern 500 themed edition of this week in nascar history so let's go back to september 1st 1952, when Fonty Flock, wearing Bermuda shorts and a short sleeve shirt, takes the lead just before the halfway point and motors to victory in the third annual Southern 500 at Darlington. Up next, we go to September 2nd, 1963. Fireball Roberts breezes into the lead in the late stages and wins the Southern 500 at Darlington. Roberts averages a record 129.784 miles per hour in the caution-free event, the only non-stop Southern 500 in history. 
Third place finisher Fred Lorenzen tops the $100,000 mark for the season earnings, making him the first to reach six digits in winnings. Moving on to September 5th, 1977. Quick pit work nets David Pearson his second straight win in the Southern 500. Daryl Waltrip earns the nickname Jaws at this same event. Waltrip, Yarborough, and D.K. Ulrich are involved in a 227th lap crash. In response to Ulrich's inquiry as to what happened, Yarborough says, That Jaws ran into you. Up next we have September 5th, 1983. Bobby Allison withstands 97-degree heat and wins the Southern 500 for his fourth win in the Labor Day Classic. Bill Elliott finishes second for the eighth time in his career. And then finally, rounding out this week in NASCAR history, we go to August 31st, 1997. Jeff Gordon prevails in a fender-rubbing final lap skirmish with Jeff Burton to win the Mountain Dew Southern 500 and the Winston Million Bonus. Gordon is the first driver to pocket the $1 million bonus since Bill Elliott won in the inaugural offering in 1985. That's it for this week in NASCAR history. Tune into next week's edition of the podcast, and we'll take you on another trip through the history of NASCAR. Ryan Blaney, Weekend Preview, Darlington Raceway. All right, Steve, as we were just saying a little bit ago, Ryan Blaney and the number 12 team head into the first round of the playoffs and the first race of the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs this weekend with the Cookout Southern 500, a crown jewel event for the NASCAR Cup Series, Sunday, September 5th at the famous Lady in Black Darlington Raceway. You can catch the race at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on NBCSN and on the radio with MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Now the seventh... Now, the Southern 500, the stages are going to split up into lap 115, lap 230, and the checkered flag will fall at three lap 367. 501.3 miles is the distance of the Southern 500, one of those crown jewel events, as I just said, for the NASCAR Cup Series and the first race in the playoffs for this year. Going into this round last year, uh, we don't have to talk about it too much, but this was a race where the 12 team ended up with a penalty, really put them behind, kind of ruined that first round. This year, we flipped to 2021. The 12 teams coming off of two straight victories in the Cup Series, and they will be starting on the pole, if I'm not mistaken, for the Southern 500 this weekend, giving them that track position that they really need. And hey, in our last podcast, we were talking about how important it was to just get a good finish at Daytona. Uh, or put down the fastest lap and get a good finish just to make sure you have a really good starting position when it comes to Darlington. But there's no better starting position than first, in my opinion. So as long as we're able to get through inspection this weekend, uh, I think it'll be an exciting race. And again, like I said a little bit earlier, going to have the opportunity to actually go and see the Southern 500 in person for the first time, heading up to Darlington a little bit later this weekend. So I'm excited for that. Also hoping that maybe I am the good luck charm, right? Or maybe, uh, I don't know, I should have uh, taken a t-shirt from you or something. So uh, we just brought all of that good juju <laughs> into, into uh, the, you know, all of this good podcast momentum that we have that, that we can tend races. Because we did have people commenting on our pictures from Daytona like, okay, you guys got together and they want a second race in the row. Are you going to Darlington? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's all you. Um, and, and actually, Ryan is bringing a lot of the good luck himself, you know. Um, 
Yeah, we did point that out last week about how you know you want to finish good at Daytona so that you have a good starting position um, going into Darlington. Well, there's no better starting position than the pole. He can put it right out there. Now, once again, with the, to the competition caution, you know, any adjustments they have to make, if they fall a little bit in the field, now they're going to fall a little bit in the field. They're not going to fall, you know, out of the top 10 or out of the top 20, you know, they're going to be up there far enough where they make their adjustments and make their way back up. Um, these next couple of weeks, you know, the points are just right. They're lined up just right. They've gotten those, uh, you know, that lead, um, 19 points above the cut line to start. Okay. So now we're going to look at point racing, you know, getting um, stage points and then trying to get a good finish. Uh, winning race is great. You win a race, you're in the next round and that's awesome. Um, but the next, you know, two to three weeks, it's Darlington, it's Richmond, it's uh, uh, Bristol and uh, you know, Darlington have been getting better and better at Darlington. So uh, he's figuring out things. And as a group, the, uh, the Fords and the Penske cars are figuring out things. Uh, you know, he, he started, uh, uh, 16th there earlier this year and finished eighth and was eighth at, uh, you know, at a stage break or halfway point. And, you know, so they're doing, they're doing what they need to do and he's gaining the experience he needs to gain. And, uh, you know, starting 19 points above the cut line is, is a good start to things. And hopefully what we do is we spread it out and keep, keep it way above the cut line and finish up there in that top two or three at the end of each uh, week, you know? Yeah. And I mean, we can't ignore it. The stats don't lie. Um, obviously, he did get that eighth place finish earlier this year, which is his best finish at Darlington to date. Um, stats don't lie. He's not that great necessarily overall at Darlington, not that great overall at Richmond. But when it comes to 2021, has that eighth place finish overall. He's made nine starts totally uh, at that racetrack with an average finish of 19. But as far as I'm concerned, that's in the past. Um, they've been finding ways to get better this season. That seems to be the theme of a lot of things. So um, coming out of that eighth place finish uh, with that notebook that they have from earlier in the year, they're going into the, this race again. I know momentum's just, I mean, maybe a, not a real thing, but I feel like it does boost some confidence, boost some confidence in the pit crew, boost some confidence in Ryan as a driver. So maybe if he did before kind of dread going to somewhere like Richmond or going to somewhere like Darlington, if you know that your team is kind of clicking and performing well, then you know that, all right, maybe I do have a shot. Maybe I don't need to go in with a negative attitude. And that's absolutely what you don't want heading into this round. Totally forget last year. Forget that the first round ended up being kind of a disaster. This is uh, a new year, a new, I think I've been saying early on uh, the year, it was a new Ryan Blaney this year, and he's totally proving it, uh, especially having, like I said, that career year with three wins already this season. Now, outside of Blaney, is there anybody else that you're looking at uh, coming up that could possibly uh, – get the win, finish well, drivers to watch in this race for the Southern 500. I mean, I'm pulling up the last several winners here, and if you take a look at it, we got Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick, Hamlin, Harvick. Eric Jones did pull off a victory when he was with Joe Gibbs Racing in the Southern 500 in 2019. Keselowski has won there uh, in 18, but lots of Hamlin, lots of Harvick, lots of Martin Truex Jr. Um, Harvick, I don't know. Uh, he was in contention there at Daytona. Uh, outside of that, they've been a 10th to 15th place car a good chunk of the season. Hamlin was close. Hamlin ran up front at Daytona, really still 
still surprised that he doesn't have a victory of the season in Truex. Truex did get three wins. They did come a little bit earlier in the year, though. So those guys don't really come into this race with a ton of momentum. So um, anybody else jumping out at you as somebody that could challenge for a victory this week? You know, the, the truth is, is this is a crapshoot um, because what people don't realize and they're going to see this weekend coming up, they changed the track. They actually had to repave, uh, was it turns one and two? And so the grip level is going to change there. How they run a line through those turns is going to change there. And how you run that turn, those two turns is going to change what you do down the other end, uh, three and four. They're also talking about the Darlington stripe, the Darlington stripe. But the truth is, is in the past couple of years, a lot of guys haven't been getting the Darlington stripe. They haven't been running a line that's up there that close to the wall. Or, or they've been running uh, so controlled that they haven't been tapping the wall. So uh, keeping it clean, seeing what, what the changes are to turns one and two and how that affects the cars and how they can run there, uh, this is a totally different race than it was earlier in the year, uh, let alone the past couple of years. So I don't know if, you know, I think the guys that are already up front, as long as they run well, and um, control, you know, pit road basically is the biggest thing at this point because it's a short, quick entrance to pit road. The pit boxes are not real big, so no mistakes on pit road. And if there's any kind of green flag run where green flag pitting happens, you're going to see things get a little bit spread out. And uh, hopefully uh, the 12 car is in good position at those points. So, uh, yeah, anything can happen. I don't see any particular guy. I mean, Truex usually is pretty good at this type of stuff in Hamlin is is really good there but beyond that you know it could be any one of the top five or six guys right now you know i mean i'm looking at you somebody know, like uh even somebody else kind of coming in and spoiling the playoff uh well not, i guess not even spoiling because he did sneak his way in or at least hold his position into the playoffs this past week and that's tyler reddick in that number eight car for richard childress racing um, anytime do we get to a track like this and a track like Homestead, they talk about Reddick because he is one of those guys that does like to run the high line as close to the wall as he possibly can. And that team has been, you know, in compared to years past has been running pretty well, uh, enough to where he's pointed one of the only, uh, one of the few drivers that pointed their way into the playoffs this year without having to get a win. So um, there's somebody that could sneak up there and find their go to victory lane and find themselves uh, launched into that next round really early on. But uh, I don't want to pretend that I'm going in thinking Ryan's going to run in here. You know, he got an eighth place finish earlier in the year, but he's going to turn that 19th place average into a victory this weekend. I just want a solid race. I want a solid stage one to get points, like you're saying, a solid stage two to get some points and a solid finish. Uh, just to keep that momentum going because each round it's going to reset and he keeps those playoff points as he goes. If he wins a stage, that'd be terrific just to add another point to that total too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to the weekend. Like I said, getting to experience it in person. Um, we'll say if anybody has any tips for me uh, that's been to Darlington or is a regular there, I mean, this is like you, you know, Steve, like you and Kate coming down to Daytona, we're going in totally blind. Don't really know anything about the area, anything about the track. Um, so if you have any tips, hit me up uh, either on my personal Twitter or uh, send us a message on the Team Blaney account. If you're an avid fan of Darlington Raceway and have some advice for myself and my wife, that would be greatly appreciated. But most of all, we just want to see a good race. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is the, the thing about the next couple of weeks is you're going to see the teams come together. Um, you know, the, the Gibbs cars, the Hendrick cars and, and the, uh, 
Penske cars and and those three factions you're going to see how they help each other and how they help get each other to the next round um the toyotas are the interesting thing the gibbs toyotas because you know that hamlin's really good there you know that that kyle bush is really good period and uh guys like uh like christopher bell um you know could use a little help making it to the next round but these are the types of tracks where where they shine so somebody like christopher bell could end up being uh you know pretty big uh, on sunday night yeah you never really know what's going to happen um and that's part of the why the reason that we like it and one other thing to bring up is the fact that a lot of these guys that have been locked in for a long time they've probably had some crews back at the shop that have been specifically working on uh wind tunnel testing and uh some of those other commuter computer models and uh simulator testing and all that stuff probably specifically on the upcoming tracks in the playoffs so yes they do want to win from week to week but if they were securely locked in they might have already been looking you know weeks down the road so some of these teams like gibbs who hasn't necessarily been lighting the world on fire but they have you know championship drivers and really solid drivers in their lineup might come out and suddenly show their speed um, Penske might come out and sh- suddenly show a little bit more speed. Now, if Hendrick comes out and shows more speed, everybody needs to look out. Yeah, yeah. The, the Hendrick guys, the only ones that they've already been there, you know, and and one one or two guys, you know, Larson looks like he should win everything every time out, and then Chase Elliott, uh, you know, is defending champion. So, um, yeah, they, those guys there are the guys that are worried about like being at the end of this uh, playoff run being all four of them <laughs> you know in contention to be in the in the final four so definitely scary and i know i brought up reddick as being one of those highline people but the king of the highline cliche drivers is kyle larson um sometimes he'd said he had to do that in that chip Ganassi equipment because it just wasn't necessarily you know the best equipment compared to all the other teams still good but he needed to do everything he could to go above and beyond what that equipment had so imagine him being in this top-notch Hendrick equipment and also being able to run a fast high line like that could be very dangerous going into this weekend so again that's the cookout southern 500 one of NASCAR's crown jewel events Sunday, September 5th at Darlington Raceway. You can catch it at 6 p.m. Eastern time on NBCSN and then on the radio with MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. We're definitely going to be there and watching and rooting Ryan Blaney on to what hopefully could be his third race victory in a row. All right, Steve, why don't we go ahead and uh, give a little bit of a recap this past weekend uh, when it comes to the NASCAR fantasy live league for team blaney um i kind of uh i think had a little bit of an interesting lineup going into this week Uh, i was starting to uh, lose some of the people that i had that were necessarily heavy hitters Um, so my lineup ended up being a little bit all over the place when it came to daytona um I'm not sure what your lineup looked like, but let me run through mine. I did have William Byron in there, who uh, was the race winner last year. He's a defending winner of the Coke Zero Sugar 400. I had Kurt Busch. I did have Ryan Blaney in the lineup. I had Christopher Bell, and I had Kyle Busch in the garage. I had Denny Hamlin. Didn't even think to pop him out of the garage at any moment during the race. I was too enthralled in what was happening out there on the racetrack to even pull my phone out and try to mess with fantasy at that point. 
Uh, for my bonus picks, I had, I don't know what it, it seems like every time we go to uh, Daytona, for some reason, I'll pick Kyle Busch just because I feel like he's due to win there. I pick Kyle Busch as the race winner. He uh, finished 34th, so that didn't work out in my bonus picks. I picked William Byron to be the top Chevrolet, finished 18th. Picked Ryan Blaney as the top Ford. That was the only bonus pick of the weekend that I got correct. Uh, Denny Hamlin as the top Toyota. And I had Toyota as the winning manufacturer and Joe Gibbs Racing as the winning team because I was kind of going all in on Kyle Busch winning this race. So unfortunately for me, that did not work out too well. Um, but you, on the other hand, after you know stumbling and forgetting to set your lineup was that last week, uh, I think you rebounded pretty well. Yeah, my mistake last week turned into my benefit this week, actually. Because I still had a Ryan, I still had a Ryan start left. I was going to start him last week, and I still had one Ryan start left. So of course I started Ryan. Uh, the rest of the starters is basically that crapshoot of who gets caught in a, a crash or not. I had Denny, I had Kyle Busch, I had Keselowski still, and I had Bowman still to use. And uh, you know, thirteenth, thirty fourth, thirty third, seventh. You know, but uh, the, all the bonus picks, I lined them up, and I says, you know what? Let's just uh, give Ryan another win here. I got him winning the race, got him as the top Ford, you know, uh, Ford is the manufacturer, Penske is the, the, the winning team and nice. boom, 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 boom. Yeah. <laughs> number one, number one, number one in all those categories. So yeah. Um, I ended up having a pretty good week there, uh, in the league, uh, for the week standings, at least, uh, move back up a little bit in the overall too. Yeah. So why don't we take a look at the top top points earners when it came to the cook zero sugar 400 at daytona and as we go through these every week just the people that from week to week are just so good at setting a fantasy lineup it's the same names every week and they're the same names that are leading our overall standings as well but again just the top 10 from this past week at daytona and first we had doug k0525 and also tied for first we had clyde's chicken pit racing and third we had the prime minister three Fourth, we had Team Penske. Fifth, we had Blaring Idiots. Also tied for fifth was your team, Mez 12. Seventh, we had Blaney Kicks. Beep. And seventh, we had also tied for seventh. Man, lots of ties uh, this week. We had Joe Lopez 1. In ninth, we had Blaney FT NASCAR. And in tenth, we had U.S. Calvin. Why don't we go ahead now and move over to the overall league standings for the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. And again, keep in mind, this starts the playoff reset at this point. Uh, So overall, for the regular season, Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing would be the regular season champion of the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. So he goes into the playoffs in the overall league standings in first with 5,050 points. In second, we had Blaney Kicks Beep. In third, we have Doug zero five two Doug K zero five two five, with four thousand nine hundred and sixty points. In fourth, we have Moon Cup. In fifth, we have Rogue Tough. In sixth, we have Glitterbugs. In seventh, we have Vans twelve. In eighth, we have the Dalai Lama four. In ninth, we have Blaney's Daisy. And in tenth, we have Go Larson with four thousand seven hundred twenty one points. And Team Mez twelve is outside the top ten in the twelfth position with four thousand six hundred and eighty seven points. And Team Blaney Admin, my team, finished out the regular season in 21st with 4,457 points. So, um, like I said, we're heading now into that playoff stretch. Uh, So, everything kind of resets. You have uh, 
your driver picks reset. So maybe some of those guys that you haven't been able to use the last couple of weeks, you can start using again as we head into the playoffs. But again, congratulations to Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing. They were our regular season champion for the team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. Now, Steve, do you think that you have a shot to go in and win the whole thing? Or uh, do you have any aspirations to win the whole thing going to the end? No, because I don't think they actually reset the standings. So, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 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 The, the picks are reset, though. So, maybe. I don't yeah, know. So, yeah. We get Go back to your early five, season form. You get five more usages. But, uh, yeah, at this point, um, I think uh, the overall, uh, I'm way too far back. Um, we're looking at uh, over 300 and some odd points behind, almost almost 400 odd points behind. So, yeah, I don't think I'm going to check Clyde. Uh, most of those guys have, are zeroed in pretty good on what they need to do each week and who they need to pick. I'd have to almost pick every race winner correct and every you know manufacturer winner correct from here on out, and that's that's not happening. But like you said, uh, from week to week and doing and we do the week standings, which was, was, a, was a great idea earlier in the year that uh, one of our listeners had uh, to do those weekly standings. Um, that's what you want to play for each week because now that everything's reset, you can start anybody you want to start and you get five starts on everybody again and uh, see if you can win each week. You know, um, I finished fifth and I was only a couple points behind first this past week. So that's a good reason to play. You know, don't worry about the overall standings. If you're way down there, play, make sure you play each week so that uh, you can uh, try and beat me and Adam each week. You know, that's a good uh, aspiration to have. It's not that uh, difficult to beat me, I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> I, I've had a little decent stretch toward the end of the season here with some solid finishes. Now, just at the end of our uh, race preview there for Darlington, throughout some drivers, Ryan, Truex, Hamlin, uh, some people you might want to watch. Is there anybody that's a lock this week for you in your fantasy lineup that you can now bring back again that you have the ability to choose them? You know, I, I kind of really want to bring back the kyle larson show um and hopefully you know get his usage usages out of the way even but uh you know from week to week the early in the year he was the guy basically just use him every week and you're in good shape um like i said this next track is is different uh, than it was early in the year but guys like truex or or kyle bush are really good at uh you know running close to the wall there and uh you know i, I in my lineup though i wouldn't you know, throw away Ryan either at this point, you know, he could be a top five guy most of the day. So, um, yeah, those, those are guys that, uh, I'm looking at right now at least. And maybe as I get close to the weekend, I might change my mind, but, uh, you know, the guys who start up higher in the, in, in, uh, at the beginning of the race to begin with are the guys you want, uh, unless somebody really messes up on a restart and, and screws up part of the field. Uh, I think those guys are going to stay up front near the front most of the day. All right, Steve. Well, I think that about is it for this week's episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And I tell you what, Steve, I just want to throw a shout out to all of our loyal listeners and to our new listeners that we picked up picked up over the past couple of weeks here. Been really blessed that, you know, Ryan Blaney won that last race. We had Josh Williams, Ryan Spotter on. We always see a spike in downloads when uh, Josh comes on the show, but to kind of pair that up with another Blaney victory and have him kind of break down that victory uh, ended up being huge week when it came to the podcast. I think our best uh, our best week overall of the year. So if you are a new listener to the podcast, we totally totally welcome you uh, to the to the show and thank you for for downloading the the episode. 
Yeah, um, you know, you'll always say subscribe. Um, you know, if you wherever you get your down uh, downloads, subscribe to it because they'll get it. And usually by Wednesday morning, it's it's there for you, sitting there. Um, we usually like to give a day or two so we can uh, get some material together or get a guest together. I mean, we may be having some different guests down the stretch here, um, so tune in each week for that too. Uh, but you subscribe, you get that automatic download. We get the notification that you automatically download, which is great for us. Uh, we like to know that people are listening. Uh, interact with the Team Blaney accounts on Facebook, on on Twitter, and on Instagram. You know, that's a good way to talk to us. Uh, you know, um, those those type of things. Um, you know, we met a couple people to track in the last couple of weeks. Uh, one guy, I think, was Bulldog or something like that. You know, we met them uh, live and in person. But uh, you guys can talk to us online. Uh, we had an, you know, they had an idea earlier in the year about uh, doing something, and and we'll we'll look at it and we'll do it in the podcast sometimes. And uh, we definitely want to interact with everybody because we're all together now. This is this is it. Okay, there's ten more weeks to the season. We're in the playoffs. We've positioned. You know, Ryan's positioned himself right there second place going into the first first uh, race of the playoffs and now's the time to enjoy this um you know we're doing a podcast and we're enjoying doing this podcast uh, recapping everything each week and uh, you guys watching races you, you have something to watch that's fun enjoy it in the moment um there might be some ups and some downs but um you know each week these guys are putting on a show they're working hard and they're working toward one goal and you can either be on the train or get the heck out of the way okay <laughs> and i don't mean to be that negative toward anything but there, there's always been these negative things in, in the weeks and months prior that here and there that we read on social media and i really shouldn't let them affect me but they do and i don't understand it if you're not happy watching something and you're not happy uh, you know with what's going on then go do something else go cut the grass or something you know go drink a beer whatever root for somebody else uh, because this group of fans these people they're really uh, enjoying what ryan's doing this year and we're having a good time doing it and i'm sure he's having a good time winning and uh, these next bunch of weeks should be a lot of fun for all of us you know so let's have some fun let's enjoy the races each weekend and let's cheer on our guy because he's our guy and we really like him for many different reasons. And, uh, you know, let's have some fun watching some racing. I like it. I like your message. Let's, let's have some fun and let's have some fun together. I've said it before, the fact that just, you know, if even only 10 people downloaded this podcast every week, uh, just to listen to us is humbling. The fact that hundreds of people are downloading the podcast this week, this, you know, Team Blaney Nation uh, is, has gotten behind us, gotten behind Ryan this year. The fact that we have people coming up to us and seeking us out when we're at the racetrack to watch races is just the craziest thing to me because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, Steve and I are just a couple of Ryan Blaney fans that had something to say and hopefully people are enjoying what we have to say. And like he said, Steve said, if you want to interact with us, you can do that and um, have your say as well. So like I said, thank you, everyone. Thank you if you're a new listener. And you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just go ahead and listen back to our first episode. It really dives deep into how we both became fans of the Blaney Racing family. As Steve also mentioned, if you want to interact with us, you can find Team Blaney on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to download, rate, and subscribe to the podcast on the Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all of your favorite podcast apps. To close out the show, I want to once again remind you to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation 
this organization, established in 2018, supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation on its website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org, or on Twitter at rbfamfoundation, on Facebook at facebook.com slash rbfamilyfoundation, and they also have a very active Instagram account. And as Steve can tell you, Every once in a while, they'll throw up a, uh, a nice giveaway um, throughout the year. They do lots of amazing things, the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. And if you want to learn more about them, again, you can go back and listen to the podcast we had a little bit earlier in the year where we talked to the foundation's uh, leader, Aaron Blaney. That's what I was about to say. That I want to thank you for remind, reminding people. If you're new to the podcast in the last week or two, because we've had some new downloads, go back through there and look. It's a special podcast. It's nothing but... Uh, our interview with her, and, and she talks a lot about what the foundation does and, and, and the different things they're involved in and uh, how they raise uh, the, the, the different things they're doing to raise money to help Alzheimer's and the UMPC uh, people. So um, I do want to thank them again for having the contest last week, and, and, and I'm being lucky enough to, to be the winner um, is even more awesome, uh, and, and I'm glad I'm able to actually verbally thank them um, online here. Um, but uh, check all those things out. Go back and ch- find that podcast in our in our group there because it's a really interesting thing to listen to um, all the different things they're doing and, and how you can help them, which is a, is a good thing to do. So thank you once again to our listeners, to the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation, to Ryan Blaney and that entire Team Penske team, uh, Team Penske number 12 team for giving us something to cheer for week in, week out. For my co-host, Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Crosses out, crosses out, checkered flag at the line.